Let's do this. Welcome to episode 126 of In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio, the request line 1833-RADIO-BX. My name is Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, The Real Will, and we are here, here today to give you guys the most interesting, the most fascinating, and the most polarizing topics in all of sports. And there's a reason why we are here on this Tuesday. There's just so much content to go over. After our loaded show yesterday, we felt like it wasn't enough. We felt like we had to get right back at it to talk about everything in the world of sports between NBA free agency. We have uh, many superlative questions that we're going to have on the table today uh, regarding everything that went down yesterday. We're going to get into some NFL news, some quarterback news, the most important position in football. We're going to get deep into the weeds in it today. And before I start, I wanted to introduce to you guys my co-host, The Real Will. What it do? Can you dig sports radio? We are back here on this Tuesday. We got the sports world going up on a damn Tuesday, and we are here right now on In The Huddle, and I can't wait to go, man. There's a lot of things going on in what we call the world, but, man, when you listen to In The Huddle, it makes you forget what's going on around you. So, yeah, let's do it, Zach. I'm ready. Zay, what's going on? Hey, man. Uh, it was a very interesting uh, yesterday, but, you know, I'm always glad to be here with you two guys talking about sports, man. It's always a pleasure being here, and I can't wait to talk about today's topics. It's a great show today. Zay, we always love having you on. Once again, thank you so much for joining us here today. We respect your opinion. We always love getting uh, deep into the weeds of all the topics with you. So let's start it off. Let's get to it. As there has been many chatter over the last couple of days regarding the San Francisco 49ers, when you go to their camp, when you go to San Francisco, the buzz around town is that they want Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback. And with that being said, the question we have on the table is who should be under center for the 49ers in week one? Can Jimmy Garoppolo beat out really any rookie at his position? And who, once again, should the 49ers uh, go with week one? And boys, I'm actually going to start this one off. And I think when we look at this situation, right, I by no means am saying that Trey Lance should just be gifted the job. If he is going to start, he better earn it. Like, I'm not denying that. But at the same time, I do think that in today's NFL, we have to sit back and realize that this just isn't the same game as 20 years ago. Well, you know my fa- my favorite line. What is it? It's not 1999 anymore. And I think that when we look at this situation, right, the 49ers took Trey Lance at number three overall. And I think in past years, I've seen a lot of different situations where to start off a season, some teams were a little bit hesitant uh, of starting their rookie quarterback or a decent veteran, nothing, no one special, but I, I would put Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in that same category. And I think for me, when I learn, right, I'm not a guy that's good at going into the classroom, watching a PowerPoint or just viewing a lesson plan, just getting the information in my head and being able to take a test. Like that's just not the kind of learner I am. In order for me to learn, I need to experience it firsthand. I am more of a guy who likes to do things in action and see the consequences and really learn from my mistakes. And I think when it comes to the NFL starting quarterbacks in 2021, the best long-term decision is to start your young quarterback if he's capable and if he's ready. And I do think Trey Lance, from a physical perspective, All of the boxes are checked. He has a big arm. He's tall. He's mobile. And I do think he's going to be a really good player in this league. 
And I do think that in past years, right, we've seen Josh Allen not start his first year for Buffalo, but then once he gets in, he takes his lumps eventually. We remember he wasn't really good his first year. He was getting better his second year, and then he leads the Bills to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, same thing. He doesn't start to start his rookie year, and then halfway into the season, it's clear the Ravens just become a better team with him. And then Justin Herbert last year, no one really expected him to start firsthand, and now all of the NFL is predicting the Chargers to be a playoff team because of this young kid. And I do think that if your quarterback, this goes for the Niners and this goes for the Bears as well. Those are the two real quarterback situations that are wide open right now. I do think if you have a legit reason to start your young quarterback and get him in action right away, then long term, that could be the best move because we all know the best time to win a Super Bowl is when your rookie quarterback is under that uh, low contract and you could pay guys around him and I just think the game has changed we don't see guys like Cam Chancellor and those big hitting safeties in today's game just come after the quarterbacks it has never been easier to play quarterback in the NFL and I do think if Trey Lance does win this competition and he's the better quarterback in camp he absolutely should start Zach everything that you just said you know for the most part made sense but one thing that you skipped over was the art of patience and why patience is so important. Ask Patrick Mahomes, you know. So at the end of the day, when we get to the situation with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, the 49ers has uh, an embarrassment of witches right now. A lot of teams in the NFL wish they was in the predicament that the 49ers are in having two quarterbacks that can win you games. Let's not act like Jimmy Garoppolo can't win you games. The only problem that, you know, we all know about Jimmy Garoppolo is that he's injury prone. That's why you drafted his successor. So, listen, the 49ers don't have to rush anything. I looked at that 49ers um, training camp the other day. This team right now, I'm not going into my predictions, but they have a great shot to compete no matter who is the quarterback. So if you have a great shot to compete, no matter who is the quarterback, why are you rushing your rookie quarterback and throwing him into the fire when he hasn't played a game since 2019 and had the lowest passing attempts in the last 20 years in the FBS? With, um, I believe it was 311 passes that this brother has thrown. So he hasn't played a game in two years. So granted, he may be looking good in practice. He may be having those eye-popping plays. But that doesn't mean he's ready to go week one. If you have an embarrassment of riches, if you have talent all over the place, if Jimmy Garoppolo got you to a Super Bowl, why are you rushing the young bull to get in there when you, just, when you could just easily ease him in there? You know what I'm saying? So, look, teams like the Saints, they wish they was the 49ers right now. Teams like the Colts, they wish they was the 49ers right now. There's a whole lot of teams, even the Patriots, I can argue. A lot of teams, you know, well, Patriots drafted on um, Mac Jones, so excuse me with that one. But there's a whole lot of teams that wish they that they had the embarrassment of riches that the 49ers have right now. No need to panic. No need to rush. Put Jimmy Garoppolo out there. All right, he's motivated. He's looking good as well. All right, in, in a scenario where y'all winning games, y'all just roll with the brother. Win games. Go ahead. If you're winning, why make a move when y'all winning? Isn't that the point to win games? And if y'all losing games, you have his success already who's been lining up. You just throw him out there. Simple. So I think the 49ers need to be patient. Yeah, so um, I want to go back to like the art of patience that Lil was referring to because how patient can you be to a guy who's like always injured? You know, he played one full season in his entire career. And I, I, I want to mention the New England, New England Patriots uh, like segment because, you know, of course, being in the Patriots with, with Brady and them, it's, it's tough to like kind of analyze how that works out. So let's just talk about him with the 49ers. Um, he played, you know, 31 games, arguably, and um, with the last four seasons, I believe. 
I mean, this guy's like injury riddled. His first full season, 2019, you know, and he threw for 3,900 yards and 27 touchdowns. That's good for a player if he's like in the sophomore year. But being a seventh year player, eighth year player, you need better production, especially um, on a team that you know, the quarterback is the franchise guy. You know, San Fran had a great defense, and it seems like the, his team, his entire career that he's been around, has kind of carried him into winning situations. You know, when you look at his playoff situation in 2019, he played three playoff games. He, um, Threw for 450 yards, I believe, um, in three playoff games. That's arguably 150 yards per game. That's not cutting it for a guy you want to label as your franchise quarterback. So, as patient as you want to be with Jimmy Garoppolo, and but you have to understand, uh, you have a, a young gun in Trey Lance who can be a potential Josh Allen who could torpedo into a great quarterback if given the time to really develop in a starting offense. Um, so Garoppolo, his time is, is ticking because if he's showing that he can't develop into a better quarterback than he's shown us in 2019, then it's going to be tough um, for uh, Kyle Shanahan to continue to say Trey Lance is not ready to be the number one quarterback on this team because Garoppolo, is, is he's shown us that he could play in the offense, but he has to show that he could lead the offense. And Trey Lance could potentially show up that there's potential to be that guy to lead the offense, being 6'4", having a strong arm, and maybe a little bit better on um, vision. So a couple of things I wanted to address. One, uh, when it comes to the Mahomes comparison, I think that situation is just one that is totally an outlier. That How, really how, how is it an outlier? Because look, um, granted, you, you mean to tell me Patrick Mahomes did not benefit from an extra year? No, of course. Somebody no, do it? No, of I mean, course. I mean, come on now. Why are no, we pushing I, the gun here? No, of course. I, I'm, I never said he didn't benefit from that. All I'm saying is that Kansas City made the right decision by playing Alex Smith, a quarterback that got them to the playoffs the last four years. And I just don't hey, think... Jimmy we, Garoppolo I, got them to a Super Bowl. Okay, one Super Bowl for one season. and really Two years ago. And you okay, talk about, fine. oh, it's not 1999. I guess 1999 was two years ago, Zach. Okay, because that's he fine. got to the Super Bowl. Okay, but if the 49ers felt that confident in him, then they wouldn't have drafted a quarterback. Like, And, I'm, and once again, hold on. I'm not saying that Trey Lance should just be handed the job. Like, once again, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that in training camp, if Kyle Shanahan looks at the situation and says, okay, this kid's a better quarterback, there's no reason why he can't play them. I mean, what's your take on the Bears quarterback situation? If Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are even, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I got... The thing is, we have jobs that's at stake. It's two different situations. I don't know why the, the Bears is not going with Justin Fields. You have a job that's at stake here. The 49ers, Kyle Shanahan job is secured. The 49ers have one of the best rosters in football, top to bottom. They don't need to jump the gun and throw the rookie out there when they can win games. You talk about Jimmy Garoppolo history, injury history. Okay, let him get injured first. All right, you still have this quarterback, right? So if he goes out there and he gets injured, there's your insurance policy right there. You don't need to call State Farm. You don't need to call Progressive. He's right there on the bench ready to roll if he is ready to roll. So I'm not going to say, first of all, too, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets out there, he starts, he balls out. That increases his trade value where you can trade him and get something better. Somebody at the trade deadline is going to bait. They're going to lose quarterbacks. It's the NFL, unfortunately. And you'll be able to trade him for a higher value, and then you just roll out the rookie. It's that simple. Okay, so I feel... Oh, sorry. The no, go ahead. I think I was just saying, like, um, back to what Lil saying, you know, that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of took them to a, a Super Bowl. Like, I think he was... I don't want to say he took them to Super Bowl. I'll say he was the starting quarterback of a Super Bowl team because, it, like I said, his playoff numbers don't entice saying, yeah, he took us to a Super Bowl. You know, he threw three interceptions, threw two touchdowns. You know, I understand, like, his numbers don't really mean much, especially when you're, you're deep into a playoff run and going to a Super Bowl. 
but it's kind of it seems like I don't and I don't want to say this. I feel like Jimmy G has more talent, but it seems like it's borderline Jared Goff. Like this, this is like what I'm seeing. You know, this guy has not spent enough time on the field. I feel to say to me to confidently say, yeah, this is the quarterback that can lead us to a Super Bowl. I feel like he's just a guy that's on a team that's Super Bowl ready. You know, and I, I just. I don't, my confidence is dwindling. It's been dwindling since he's been getting hurt year after year after year, and it's starting to get really a little demoralizing. Because I, I understand that, like a guy like Jimmy G or any football player, really, who gets hurt repeatedly, is extremely frustrated. Because these guys know that they have the talent to be in this league, and they know that they can produce in this league, but they hurt every single year. And I can only understand that that 2019 year could have been a great confidence boost. But then what happens the next year? You know, it's it's like it's a constant, constant injuries. It's, I don't know about Jimmy G. Yeah, and once again, this isn't really about Jimmy Garoppolo for me, right? I think at this point, we kind of know uh, he is what he is at this point in his career. For me, this is more about Trey Lance. And I just think that there's some quarterbacks that when you watch them, right, they just pop. And when Kyle Shanahan watches Trey Lance, like, I, I don't blame him. Like, he's he looks the part. He's athletic. He has a huge arm. And once again, like, Every situation is different. I totally understand. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback in camp, of course he should start. I'm not saying he shouldn't. But I just think when you gave up, keep in mind also, the 49ers, they traded up to get Trey Lance. They originally had the 12th pick. They gave up two first-round picks to move up to number three. And I think it says something in the locker room, right? When you do that, and that kid comes in after coming from North Dakota State, an environment that's very different than in the NFL, and he's impressing right away. I think that is going to show some people in that 49er locker room like, wow, we have some confidence in this kid, and we made the right decision drafting this kid. And I do think when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, once again, we know at this point in his career what he is. And to be honest, like I kind of agree with Zay when he said like he was just happened to be the quarterback of that uh, Super Bowl team. Like He deserves credit for it. He had a good season. But once again, there hasn't really been a time where I've watched Jimmy Garoppolo on the field over the past two or three years. And I said like, wow, he's the reason why the 49ers won a football game. And I think this Trey Lance kid, he's legit, man. I, I think he could be a star in this league. And if he's ready to go, I don't see why you don't play him. Listen, like I said, patience will get you farther than life. You look at the Patriots. You look at teams that are like, I won't say must-win situations. Bill Belichick is always going to have a job. But even him is rolling with the Cam Newton guy, you know, over Mac Jones, you know. So it's the art of preparing your quarterback and having him learn the ropes instead of throwing him into the fire. Practice in a game setting is two totally different things. This guy has not played. Hello. This guy has not played since 2019. All right. This is a whole totally different, totally different ball game here. So, yeah, he's lighting up in practice. He may be ready to go in your eyes. But at the same time, why jump the gun? When you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who got you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, all right, you want to call him and say, oh, he was part of a Super Bowl team? All right, let him be part of another one until he starts to mess it up. And then you just throw Trey Lance. He's right there. You don't got to make a trade. You don't got to wait till next year in the draft. He's right there on the bench, and he'll be ready to roll. You have an embarrassment of witches that other teams in the NFL wish they had right now. Use it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so a couple questions in regards to that. Uh, what what about the preseason? What if do you put value into that? If, if Lance looks good there, I don't really put value into the preseason. I, I really don't. The preseason is a preseason. It's half of these guys ain't gonna play. You know, I don't know how they how they preseason is gonna pan. I don't know how much games uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's playing and how much drops he's gonna have in each game in the preseason. No, I'm talking about Lance. I don't know. If he looks good, and, I mean, if he looks good, he looks good. But at the same time, I still roll with the patient. You know, be patient. 
at the end of the day. We don't gotta. Everybody feel now in this type of generation, we always have to rush and have and have everything today. Patient, bro. You have a quarterback that can win you games. I saw Jimmy Garoppolo against the Saints throw for over 300 yards. I saw Jimmy Garoppolo win them games, even though I saw the 49ers, you know, carry him as well. But my thing here is, I put so much value. Screw the quarterback. I put so much value into the 49ers right now. I was literally watching the camp, you know, on, on Friday. And I'm saying to myself, this is a good team no matter who is the quarterback. You have Brandon Ayuk. You have Debo Samuel. You have the best tight end in football. Yeah, I said it, the best tight end in football in George Kittle. One of the best offensive lines in football. Top to bottom, 53-man um, roster. This is one of the best there is no matter who is the quarterback. So if you have a, a situation where you don't have to rush your quarterback, then why rush him? Other teams have to rush their quarterback, and they're not even doing it. The, the Bears should be rushing their young quarterback. They're not even doing it. They rolled with Andy Dalton. Matt Nagy may not even have a job. The Patriots should be one to go with Mac Jones. We saw Cam Newton look last year, but at the end of the day, the 49ers have an embarrassment of riches, and they're not going to use it. That don't make no sense to me. I, think right. I understand where Lil's coming from with the patience, and, um, and I understand that. I think it, with the 49ers, um, though, Unfortunately, um, Jimmy G's track record shows that he's not healthy enough to stay at least six or seven games in the season. That's the thing, um, Zay, you're not understanding. If if Jimmy Garoppolo is not a production issue, but more of a health issue, then Mm -hmm. you have his assurance policy. If he goes out there and he gets hurt, bye-bye. It's that simple. What do you lose? You want to get Trey Lance as ready as possible, working with the first-team reps and get him ready because at this point, it's looking like it's inevitable that Jimmy G will get hurt because he only played more than seven games in the season, and that was 2019, out of seven seasons. And it seems like every year it's a new injury, you know, or or it's a reoccurring injury. So don't you want to get your rookie ready as soon as possible instead of just throwing him into the flames well, unprepared and just... Well, that, that, that's that's what you're going to be doing week one if you if you throw him in there. You're going to be tossing him into the dogs. Right now, Jimmy Garoppolo's getting the starter reps because they plan to start him at quarterback anyway. So either way, he's going to have to come in the game and, and figure it out. But it just I, seems like a Willie Bean situation. <laughs> Willie Bean. Yeah, like. no, yeah <laughs> no, I do think like a lot of good points brought up there. I just think, right, like... One thing, if, if it's clear that Trey Lance isn't ready to play, like, of course, once again, you're going to start Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think that Zay has, he brought up a good point. Like, even, even, Jimmy Joe, Flacco, even Joe Flacco, right? when they drafted Lamar Jackson, he didn't start right away. What happened? I mean, yeah, it's not 1999, quarterbacks are playing, but they are easing the quarterbacks in. To what? Eased in. All these quarterbacks are getting eased in. So, Zach, that's the point that you went away from. Yeah, these quarterbacks are these young mobile quarterbacks are taking over the game. But they're being eased in. Patrick Mahomes, eased in. Lamar Jackson, eased in. So, that that's that's basically what the league is. That's how you build your quarterback, you know? Yeah, so when I mentioned um, the Mahomes being an outlier, here's what I meant by that, right? I think when you brought up all of the uh, quarterbacks you just brought up, right? Lamar and Tua. Or not really Tua, but Lamar. The three I, that come to mind for me are Lamar, Allen, and Herbert, right? The three things that all that uh, those the, the one thing that those three guys all have in common is that originally, right? As you said, they didn't start right away. But one thing that was clear that immediately when their team put them in, their teams immediately improved. Like the Ravens that last year under Joe Flacco in the first half were terrible. They were like two and six. They couldn't win. All of a sudden, they put in Lamar Jackson, and right away this offense takes off. And I do think when we look at the 49ers, right, once again, we don't really know what's going on in practice. We don't really know uh, what is going on through Kyle Shanahan's mind. I just think that 
it's not as much of a certainty as everyone thinks that Jimmy G is just automatically the starter because as time goes on, like what happens if for the next month of camp, it's clear that Trey Lance just keeps on getting better and better and better with more experience in the offense, with him developing more chemistry. I think there's a good chance that Kyle Shanahan looks at this, maybe not, not maybe right now, but by week one and says, wow, I really do think Trey Lance gives us the best chance to win. And I wouldn't have a problem with him putting him in under center for that matter. I just think that Jimmy Garoppolo is probably one of the most disrespected quarterbacks in the NFL. I know the brother can play. A lot of people look at his injury history, which we all know is a problem. But right now, that's why you drafted his successor. But let him go out there. Let him let him prove it. What happened to waking up the quarterback, right? Wake him up a little bit. He got paid. It wasn't the same. Just like Joe Flacco, who I brief, uh, previously mentioned, got two Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, got the contract. We don't never heard of him since. You know, never heard of him since. So, yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo got caught up in the lifestyle. I do. You know, people talk about, you know, you know, this is not for me, but people talk about how good the brother looks, right? He got paid and he got, you know, this and that. And he's in California. You know, he got to the Super Bowl. It's time to wake up. And I think that he's woken up the fact that Kyle Shanahan um, drafted his successor. Of course, I would look in the mirror and say, I got to be better. And I think that's why you have guys on the team that saying, look, this guy has a fire under him. Just how we hearing some, you know, rumors about Trey Lance and how good he looks. It's the same rumors I'm hearing about Jimmy Garoppolo, which means they're having a hell of a quarterback competition. So with one guy being young that hasn't played since 2019 and one guy who been playing in the NFL for the last couple of years and got you to the Super Bowl, why not just throw him out there? If he gets injured, Trey Lance, you're in the game, buddy. That's, it's just that simple to me. I think you know, the issue with... I think just the issue with the Jimmy G stuff is that I don't think there was any rumors that he couldn't play the game of football. I thought it was just that he keeps getting hurt and he's unable nah, people, to stay people, on the people field. People try to come at his talent. I know that for sure. People, people, it's more than injury history for some people. Some people bring that point up. Some people is like he's just not any good. You know, he's it's, it's, good. He's a, I feel like he's some a people is, quarterback. I feel like some people are, are kind of harsh on on Jimmy G because of. Like, it's hard to assess someone who's not on the field often to really assess their game. You know what I mean? Like, 2019, you can assess Jimmy G's game. He's played 16 games. You can assess how he plays on the field. But a guy who's hurt constantly, it's tough to say, yeah, he can't play the game of football or he can't throw. He doesn't have a QB vision. Like, like, we, we just live in a what have you done for me now lately generation. Let's call it what it is. What but, have but, you but done for me not, now? But isn't that kind of what works in the NFL? Like, last year, I do believe if, the 40, if Jimmy G's healthy last year and the 49ers, not only good, if they just had average quarterback play last year, they're in the playoffs with the work with the most COVID devastated roster in the league. And I do think that no, last no, no. you all the injuries you telling me any quarterback over there would have got that team to the playoffs with all the well, injuries, the tight ends, everything dropping like flies. Hold on. They were they they finished one game out and CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins started ten games. If they get Bro. if they get slightly better quarterback play, yes, they're in the playoffs. How are they not? Tell me how I'm wrong. No, I'm talking about last year's team with all them injuries, bro. I mean, yes, it was if, if Jimmy G is under center, the 49ers would be 8-8 eight and eight and would have beaten out the Bears and would have been in the playoffs. And, Will, one other question I had for you, and I'm just curious. Like, I'm not coming out at, at you or any way. Like, you had Jimmy Garoppolo number 30. Um, uh, Zach, we've okay. been through this before. You you brought up that same argument. I'm going to shoot that argument again one, one no, more I'm time. Just I'm it's just it's wondering. crazy how you have short-term memory. I said Jimmy Garoppolo was at the, ranked at that spot on my list because I believe they're going to pull the rug under him and go with Trey Lance, no matter what they record is. And that's the point that I want to get to now. The fact that Cal Shanahan said Jimmy Garoppolo at his best could beat out any rookie 
Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to, you kind of have to realize that the cards that you've been dealt with some bad cards because that coach right there that's high on you right now is going to pull that rug under you no matter what you do. I don't care if you, you, you win every game, he's going to pull that rug under you and he's going to throw in that rookie because that's how the cards was dealt for you. So that's why I have him at that low because if he's playing half a season, which I think he will, no matter how good he performs, I can't rank him higher than that because that's half a season. There you go. Shut it down one more time. You need me to do it a third time? No, no, no. I just have one more question. So if that's the 49ers philosophy, right, and they're going um, with no matter what their record is, no matter how well Jimmy Garoppolo plays, um, does that like do you think that so that means you think Trey Lance by the end of the season is going to be their starting quarterback? Yes, correct? sir. Yes, sir. OK, OK, fine. Not saying Agreed. that's what I will do, but that's what right, of course, of course. OK, um, do you think that Trey Lance would be in a better position to succeed if he took over the starting reins in week nine or week one? Week, week nine. Week nine. Later on in the year. Why? We mean why? Because you got to see Jimmy Garoppolo and how that works. You got to see I, how I, he goes okay. out there, how he performs during game day and all that. All the intangibles goes into that. Okay, so for me, maybe I'm just looking at it from a different perspective. And Zay, I'd love for you to come in after this. I think if you want to give Trey Lance confidence, right, and you want to put him in the best position to succeed, if he's ready for week one, you put him in there and you give him control of the offense right away. Because once again, I said it to start off the segment, right? I believe that in order for you to learn and for, in order for you to succeed in the NFL, you kind of need to go through a little bit of that adversity first. And once again, I'm not saying if Trey Lance starts, he's going to be the MVP of the league. You know, obviously he's a rookie. You have to have and some if he real struggles, And if he struggles, you taking him out like how they took out Tua and, and put Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. Come on, right. man. So, no, no, I'm saying no, but I'm saying if they start him, like I don't think if, I don't think they're starting him with the expectation that he's going to struggle. Like we know the 49ers offensive system is one of the most quarterback friendly systems in the league, and I do think if Kyle Shanahan were to pull the plug, I trust his judgment. But then, like, but didn't Lamar Jackson come in halfway through that year, through that first season, rookie season, and he got them to the playoffs, and he was confident? Didn't Baker Mayfield came in half the season and he won them some games after Tyrod Taylor went down? So right. I don't understand your point. Okay, but don't, if you're the 49ers, though, don't you want to do a little bit more than that? Don't you want to go further? And I think if you're going and with I Trey Lance... I think Jimmy Garoppolo gets you, get you where you need to be, no matter who's the quarterback. My thing is, listen, I'm not going to say Trey Lance will not bring another dynamic to that 49ers offense. The fact that he could run, the fact that, you know, he has the stronger arm, probably the more accurate out of the two, opens up another element to that offense. But that doesn't mean, I think, he takes them to a Super Bowl and that's the difference at the end of the day you may get better as far as changing your offensive scheme but that don't make you a better team and it rhymes you know feel me so my thing here is is I rather ease him in at some point there's no you don't get no style points for pushing him in there week one if you're winning games already with Jimmy G no matter if you're winning games, you're winning games. Herman would say you play to win the game. I don't care who's that quarterback. Competition is good. And Jimmy Garoppolo looks good. And Trey Lance look good too. You roll with Jimmy Garoppolo because you know you can have the ability and uh, and uh, fortune to ease your... Everybody want to ease that quarterback in there. No coach want to throw his rookie out there week one if they can ease him in there. The 49ers have that opportunity. So use okay. it. Okay, let me just change one quick thing. So... I think where you're not really understanding me is I'm in agreement, right? Like, okay, if Trey Lance is like just good, like nothing great, but just good, and Jimmy Garoppolo looks like himself, like, okay, start Jimmy, no problem. But 
What if Trey Lance looks great? What if he looks like the kid that they expected to take with the number three overall pick and he clearly looks better than Jimmy G? What is the message to that locker room if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're going to start the guy that couldn't stay on the field last year and you're going to start the guy that, and I'm not um, saying that, this is right. I'm not saying this is right. You're going to start the guy that missed the throw that could have won you the Super Bowl. Like, how is that going to send how he, That's not how his teammates feel about him. How do you George know that? loves Jimmy Garoppolo. He, they, they, I see three or four plays that came out and say Jimmy Garoppolo is my quarterback. So they if they start Trey Lance, I mean uh, Jimmy Garoppolo ain't gonna be pushed back, I believe, because these players know Jimmy Garoppolo is looking good. So you can look that up for yourself. Um, George Kittle, all of them guys. Jimmy Garoppolo looks good. He's our quarterback. They rolling with Jimmy G right now. So mm -hmm. if your quarter, if your quarterback has the backing of his teammates. And he is a, a guy that his record is better than what people want to bring it up to be. You roll out with him week one. And if he struggles, if he gets injured, are we going to go into panic mode if Trey Lance is ready to go? You just throw him in there. That's all I'm saying. You have an embarrassment of riches that other teams wish they had. Nobody wants to put their quarterback out there week one that's a rookie. Nobody. Unless they have to. Their 49ers don't have to. And that's my point, Zach. Okay. Um. Hey, man. I, I I I just wish the quarterback battle situation wasn't like a seniority thing. Because Jimmy G, like you said, he's been there. He got the backing of his teammates, and it seems like the offense in Kyle Shanahan is going with Jimmy G for Week One for sure. I just wish like if it, the best the best player plays, you know. And like you said, we play to win the game. So if like Trey Lance looks like the better player in training camp and preseason, or like I know preseason doesn't really count because it's against like the second the second string and third string um defense defenders on opponents team. But whoever looks the best, you know, should play. I, I, I that's how I feel. I mean, think about it like this, and I'm gonna just end with this because I don't want to. I mean, <laughs> like you know, we've been going at it at this topic. I love it. I love it. But yes. at the same time, I'm gonna end with this. We gotta realize too, the level of competition that Trey Lance played in college compared to what he's going to play not only in football, in the NFC West, the best division in football as a rookie, going up against the likes of, of Russell Wilson, going up against the likes of Matthew Stafford, um, Kyler Murray, all those guys in your rookie season. Jimmy Garoppolo has experience against these quarterbacks before. So that's what I'm saying. You don't need to ease him in right now. Like, you could literally roll with your guy that has the playoff experience. And right now, the 49ers are in a must-win year. I don't think Trey Lance is going to make miracles. He's going to look good out there on the court. And nobody denied that. Zach and Zay, I don't want y'all to get the, the, the impression that I think he's going to be a bad quarterback. And then y'all get on the show, I told you so. I told you so. I know he's going to make plays. I know he's going to light it up. But that doesn't make you, when the pressure gets tough, going against your division rivals in the toughest division of football, going through the playoffs, that don't mean you're going to be able to get this team over the hump. Jimmy Garoppolo got them to a Super Bowl before. He can get them there again. And that's my yeah, I think that might just be where we differ. Um, I just think when you look at the 49ers and that team two years ago, combined with everything that went down last year, like for me, that's just a big turnoff. Like you get injured, like I get it. But once again, I think last year, the 49ers were killed by Jimmy G's ability, inability, I should say, not to stay on the football field. And I think that could be one of the big reasons why they drafted Trey Lance in the first place. Now, I'm, I know we don't have much time left. I'm going to end this with one question. If you're the if you're the Niners and the Colts call you up, Jimmy Garoppolo for a first-round pick, are you doing that trade? Because if I'm San Francisco and I see that Trey Lance looks ready to play, I'm pulling the trigger. I really am. 
Um, well, back to back to what you know, Lil said about the offensive players. It maybe might be a backlash in the locker room if we do the Jimmy, if the 49ers would do a trade like that, because like um, he stated, like the players, uh, some offensive players in the locker room are saying Jimmy G is my quarterback. If we trade him out the locker room, that may have some backlash. Not right away. Not like uh, is it? It's not gonna have like a, a long term effect, but it's gonna be a backlash in the locker room that could possibly start to resent. What happens if, like, you could be right, and I think if that's the case, obviously Kyle Shanahan isn't going to do that. He's going to do whatever he thinks is the best for the team. I'm saying that I think there's a chance that this kid, Trey Lance, is so good and he so can't miss that the feeling in that locker room, but from ever now to week one, like, I think there's a chance that the 49ers watch this kid in practice every day and it is clear to them that he's better than Jimmy G. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying there's a good chance it does happen. And if it does, the 49ers should be prepared to always be willing to make their team better. And I just think that if there is a sense, if there's a feeling in the air, I trust Kyle Shanahan's football instinct that much. He has coached Jimmy Garoppolo every game for the past three, four years. If he really thinks that uh, Lance is the guy, I I have no problem with it. I really don't. I got a question, right? And um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You know, I'm normally a guy that knows my Super Bowls, but right now, you know, with the pandemic, a lot on my mind right now, I really can't really think about it off the top of my head. But how many mobile quarterbacks Within the last decade, we see one of Super Bowl. You know, outside of Patrick Mahomes, who we all know is a very good pocket passer, more than he is a runner. Not a yeah, lot. I mean, yeah, not a lot. lot. But can I respond so, to that? I don't like. I, I think so, this is just a different era, bro. I think it's a different era. We're seeing more mobile quarterbacks than ever before get the job more done. Mobile quarterbacks getting the job done in the regular season, but not necessarily deep in the playoffs. Not necessarily deep in winning the championship. The quarterbacks that I know that come to mind was pocket passes. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Obviously, we know Tom Brady, so that's an outlier. You can't put him there. Of course, he's a goat. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the list goes on. So at the same time, you do need to be able to pass. Uh, you know, and, and my thing here is, is that, listen, you don't have to jump the gun. That's it. Jimmy Garoppolo can't get you to a Super Bowl. He can't. And that's my thing. So I'm not rushing the gun is what I'm saying. You know, I know people like, you know, you get a mobile quarterback, you got to throw him out there. Sean Payton, take notes, please. You don't got to throw Taysom Hill out there if Jameis Winston is ready to go. The pocket passes still rules the NFL. And there is a misconception that running quarterbacks, die, you know, rule the NFL. They rule the NFL in a regular season. There's more than. But the pocket passes, the experienced head coaches, they run the league still. They still know when it matters the most how to coach, and how to pass, the quarterback that is. So, yeah, it's, it's that misconception. It's that trend that everybody talking about. That's the trend, and we follow it, and we think it's a trend. Yeah, I get it, Zach. A lot of young quarterbacks these days are mobile, you know, or on both sides. The Baker Mayfields, the Josh Allens, the the, the um, Lamars, the, the Kylers, but they don't win Super Bowl. They don't. So they have to win one eventually, right? Exactly. <laughs> so we'll see if Trey Lance is that guy if he does start. We'll be right back on In the Huddle after a quick commercial break. To the NFL, as the report that have came out over the weekend and another one uh, recently, Carson Wentz could need surgery, which could side on him for the start of the season. And we've actually got an updated uh, scenario. Carson Wentz is going to undergo surgery, expected to miss five to 12 weeks. Poor Ian Rappaport. And, um, Obviously, we're all going to have a lot to say about this one, Will. I know you're one of them, the leader of that bandwagon. I'm going to throw this one over to you to start this one off. Lil Shadamas on the mic. Lil Shadamas on the mic. I remember when me and Zach had our debate 
you know, when the coach traded for Carson Wentz, who won the trade, you know, obviously, I don't think nobody won the trade. Now that I think about it, because the Eagles pick uh, means a lot and it's tied into Carson Wentz success. So technically, you know, both teams probably will lose. But um, yeah, I mean, me and Zach kind of briefly talked about it off air on Friday when the news actually broke. Obviously, like we said in the intro, we didn't record. So we kind of got our ideas out to each other. I mean, Zach brought up a decent point. And, you know, it was a point at the time that made sense. You know, where was the Colts going to go if they didn't go to the Colts and rinse out? So it's one of those situations where you dealt the cards and you just got to play the cards. And you just got to hope that the cards that you play can get you a W. And in this situation, I don't think it will. One of the main concerns that I have at Carson to rinse outside of talent, because I don't even believe he's talented like that. I think he's a one-hit wonder. I think he was, he reminds me of... The year that Mr. Trubisky had that one year when they made the playoffs and we thought Mr. Trubisky could at least, you know, be competitive on the roster as a starting quarterback. I mean, we all know how it blew over. So I think Carson Wentz is kind of in that same boat, boat as far as talent. But when we get to the injury proneness, a lot of people like to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. But Carson Wentz, it's like the third or fourth time this brother has been hurt. So at the same time, I mean, you know, it's unfortunate for a guy like Frank Wright, who is a good coach, who I rank number 12 in my coach's ranking, or number 11, I believe. And I couldn't rank them in the top 10 because he haven't had a quarterback, his quarterback. Andrew Luck, we tied. I mean, the list goes on. Phillip Rivers, old age. He sh- broke down in the playoffs. Now caused to win an injury. So yeah, if you're the coach, you have to be mad. And I always will revert back to this point that I made when Josh McDaniels was going to be the coach. He verbally committed to be the coach of the Colts, and then he backed out of it, and everybody got on him. Yo, how could you do that? That's classic, the Patriot way right there. That's the Patriot way. Well, guess what? Josh McDaniels is lucky to be still coaching, I mean, being the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, because he would have had the same issue that Frank Wright has today with Carson Wentz. So I agree in the sense that, like, when you look at this trade, obviously the pick the Colts uh, were going to give to Philadelphia, it had a lot to do with Wentz's success. But, like, I'm not just going to sit here and say, like, the Colts should regret doing this. Like, I do believe they're a quarterback away. I think 2-53, to 53, that roster is really, really good and really, really talented. And I do think Frank Reich, as a head coach, he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Like, as Will said, like, he's a, a very good coach considering the cards he's been dealt over the last couple of years. But I do think when you look at a guy like Carson Wentz, everyone I know in the NFL when they look at this guy from a raw talent perspective, like he has the intangibles, he has what it takes to be a franchise quarterback, except for the fact that he can stay healthy. And that's super unfortunate. Obviously the injury for Indianapolis is something that is the worst case scenario. And I think for the Colts where your real problems arise now is that when you look at your schedule, you open the season against the Seahawks and Rams, both games at home, but that's tough. Week three, you're on the road against Tennessee. And I just don't know if the Colts without Carson Wentz have a quarterback on their roster, whether it's Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger, that's good enough to win those games. I think if you're Indianapolis, as crazy as this sounds, you need to bring in a veteran quarterback. You may want to consider bringing in a guy like Nick Foles, who is familiar working with Frank Reich. And I know the irony there. And I know, like, I just feel bad for Carson Wentz. It feels like this dude just has the worst luck when it comes to just random things going his way. He obviously had that great season in 2017, was on par of being the MVP, got hurt. But once again, in 2019, he showed me that he could lead a team of Eagles that had no business making the playoffs. Greg Ward is the number one receiver, and he got them to the playoffs. And in the playoffs, he got hurt. So, like, the injury concerns are obviously something you can't control. They're obviously something uh, you should worry about. But, like, I think if you're going to criticize the Colts 
the way you should do it is you say, okay, they should have had a, a, a backup quarterback with anticipation that this may happen. Um, obviously, they let Jacoby Brissett go. Maybe he just wanted to get out of there, but I think he would be a guy that would obviously be helpful. He's in Miami. He's the clear backup for Tua. So, like, I don't know if him starting was a number one priority. So, I think if I were to criticize the Colts in any way, it's the fact that they didn't have another option at quarterback uh, considering the start of this, their season. Like, once again, Rams in Seattle, you're going to want to have a guy that at least is capable of leading your offense. And Jacob Eason, he was kind of – he's very talented, kind of an underachiever in college, though. So, I think the Colts, in terms of the quarterback position, could be in big, big trouble. I actually had a question because I I, I think kind of answered it. I was going to ask, do you feel like without Wentz that the Colts have a quarterback to run this offense? And I think you kind of just answered it by saying, you know, they should look at another veteran guy. Um, you know, this Colts team, like the past several years, you know, they, they are like they improved that people around the quarterback position. But it seems like now the unstable position is the quarterback itself. You know, people are getting hurt. People are in and out. People are not getting the job done. And I think, uh, um, like you said, they should um, uh, get a free agent like uh, Nick Foles or even though, you know, some Fitz magic over there and see how they can work something out over there. <laughs> but it's um, it's it just sucks, man, because like we. We were anticipating Carson Wentz to have a revitalized season this year with the Colts, and we thought that it could have worked with this um, coaching staff and the depth chart that this roster has. Um, it's just interesting. Um, I wanted to kind of find out where does this leave the Colts for the beginning of the season? Do you feel like they're still like a middle-of-the-pack team, or do they drop down to the lower echelon? I think the one thing that really saves them is their division. I think it's probably, I think it could be the worst division in football. Everyone likes to talk about the AF, the NFC East. But like, once again, everyone's gonna probably hop on the Titans bandwagon now. I'm not gonna do that. Their defense was historically bad last yeah, year. Like everyone talks, about, everyone talks about how bad the Cowboys defense was. I think that if the Colts get good quarterback play from whoever, they're still good enough to win this division. I really believe that. Me and Zach will have to definitely disagree off bat. First of all, with the Carson Wentz help, with Carson Wentz healthy, I picked the Titans to win that division. The Titans won the division last year. Philip Rivers didn't play bad in the regular season. He just went out of gas in that wild card. Philip Rivers was playing good. They still didn't win the division. So I don't understand with the Titans bad defense. So now that defense gets another year to get, you know, acclimated to get another year in that system. Also, you just add Julio Jones. And now Carson Wentz is hurt. I don't get it, Zach. Where are you? Come on, Zach. Hello. We I in it huddle. <laughs> One thing you failed to mention was the Titans, I do think, are going to take a little bit of a step back on offense because they lost their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. I give with that loss. I think that the Titans offense has been so good, especially last year. I think they're due for a little bit of regression. And I'm telling you now, I'm not saying the Colts are winning the division, by the way. I'm starting to you, convince you, you, myself. You, had, you know you I'm had Mike Vable near your top 10 of your coaches list, right? So if they're going to take a step back, then he shouldn't even be ranked in the top 15. Okay, but he's, you know, I, I gave him respect. Basically, he, he, he turned around. He did a great job turning around the Titans, getting them to the AFC Championship game. But I'm going to throw this at you. I'm starting to convince myself that maybe, just maybe, every year we know there's a team that wins a division that no one expects. Why can't the Jacksonville Jaguars do it? Why not? I think it is wide open for Trevor Lawrence to come into the league and show everyone, hey, Andrew Luck made the playoffs this first year. Why can't this guy do it? They have some talent. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's possible that this guy comes into the league and takes the NFL by storm. Tebow Magic. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm clocking out of work today. I'll be back on Tuesday for another episode of In the Other because I cannot believe what Zach just said right now. I really cannot.
That that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen no. at all. The Titans will win this division. But I think the South is if the Washington football team could win the NFC East with a seven and nine record last year. I'm just saying, crazier things have happened. I just think the Colts are done. I mean, look. At the same time, I, I'm going to give Frank White credit. He went six five and two with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Jacoby Brissett is you know he's not the most polished passer. We all know he has a strong arm, but he's not really, you know, pocket, you know, uh, strong. Pocket presence is not really that great. Obviously, you know, he's, you know, he can move too a little bit. He was one of those, um, what you call the gadget guys for the Colts last year. But um, look, I don't know. You got to look at it from this perspective, Zach. And even though Carson Wentz is hurt, he's still your quarterback of the future, basically, for right now, for the next couple of years, at least. But is he fine with Nick Foles coming in there? Because I, I heard that they were, I don't know how their relationship was. I don't know if they was good in Philly or not. I didn't think Carson Wentz was uh, appalled if Nick Foles would have got the job if they decided to keep Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. So I don't know how that relationship is. I like Marcus Mariota there being a backup for the Raiders, but Mariota showed, I mean, even injured last year, he came for that one game. He still could win you some games, so maybe his value is even higher. And do you want to trade for a, a high value for a backup quarterback behind Carson Wentz? So I don't know. Maybe the coaches got to roll it out. Maybe Carson Wentz, I mean, they said five to 12 weeks. Maybe he comes back the fifth game or sixth game. And then maybe you're in a decent standing where you could ride with him for the rest of the way. Let me throw another situation at you. I've heard from some people around the NFL that one player in particular that has been really impressing around training camp obviously it's only been a couple days you know we'll see if this continues but trey lance has been looking very good at 49ers camp I, i'm seeing this guy throwing bombs to brandon Ayuk, and you know obviously he was one of the big question marks but he's looking very good in 49ers camp if you are the colts do you dare consider going after one jimmy garoppolo if you go jimmy garoppolo <laughs> no because i jimmy garoppolo could be probably better than Wentz. right so why don't you get him so then you just traded, you, just you know, some draft picks for Wentz for no, him to be a backup quarterback? That's the key. So if Wentz is, doesn't play this season or, you know, obviously doesn't play, I believe it's 75% of snaps, right? Then the trade is basically a wash, right? The Colts, all they give up was a third-round pick, which isn't ideal, but it's not going to kill you. I think if you're Indy and there is some pressure on San Francisco, I'm telling you, if like, most Niner fans want Trey Lance to start right now. And I think that he could start sooner rather than later. I believe that. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo has proven that in the ideal situation, he could be the guy that gets it done. And I think if you put him behind that Colts offensive line that, with those, you, you, you with those defense, the they would be the favorite to win the AFC South. The I really what do these two quarterbacks have in common that we just talked about? Injury history. So you're going to trade more assets for another injury-prone quarterback to have two injury-prone quarterbacks? I'm um, starting and being a backup. Right, I don't know right, but, here's, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're the Colts, I think you really have to look at your roster right now and say it is Super Bowl or bust. I'm serious. This roster is good enough to win a Super Bowl. And sometimes those are the risks you have to take. Jimmy Garoppolo showed he could get the 49ers to the Super Bowl. I think he could do the same thing in Indianapolis. And you can't, if you're the Colts, one thing we're on the same page, like I don't think you could look at Carson Wentz as your quarterback of the future, no matter what his contract is, no matter whatever, like he's done. Like you can't rely on him anymore. So if you're Indy, you have to go into your gears right now. Who is the best guy for us to, to get us to the promised land this year? They've been so aggressive. And I think that's what made, you know, Reich and Bauer. That's such a great combination. I think it could be a trade that works for both sides. And that's why the Colts probably should have waited this one out. 
you know, it goes back to all the points you're bringing up right now, all the concerns we had, them having to probably go a Jimmy Garoppolo route shows you that they may should have been patient with this cause to win trade and probably rock out with Jacoby Brissett, who was 5-2 with them until they was able to get another quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, that it goes back to my point from the beginning. This is the questions right. that we're going to have when it comes to Carson Wentz. We always have questions when it comes to Carson Wentz. Whether it's his talent on the field, can he um, be juvenile himself, or his injury history. Who want to have these questions in training camp when the season is about to start? And the coach just made that situation happen to them for themselves. Frank Reich must have just really thought that if Carson Wentz was healthy, he was good enough to take this cold team to the promised land. And sometimes those are the risks you have to take. Once again, if all you're giving up was a third-round pick, I don't have a huge problem with it. I really don't. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see because right now, they're quarterback less, Zach. Is that simple? I'm telling you, go get him. quarterback yeah. less. And let's trade more assets for another injury pro quarterback so when he gets injured, we are ass out once again. And that's how you gamble. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, wait, wait, it's not going to be. Wait, one question, though. Do you see any chance the Colts make it to the Super Bowl this year? The way they're no, constructed? No. Exactly. No, we're on the same page there. So they need even with, even with Carson Wentz was even if he was healthy, I'll still say no. Okay, so right now, okay, we agree. Like whatever, Wentz is out of the picture. He's done. Like once again, I don't think we can trust him. But I think we agree that the Colts right now with Jacob Easton and Sam Ellinger, like they're not winning anything. Like we're on the same page there. So no matter who it is, I trust Chris Ballard. I trust Frank Reich. Go make a move. We are back here on episode 126 of In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio, the color request line 1833 Radio BX. And before we get into some NBA, we just have some breaking news. Uh, just when you thought it couldn't get worse for the Indianapolis Colts, reports have came out their guard, Quentin Nelson, is going uh, to undergo foot surgery, similar to what Carson Wentz was dealing with, and he is out indefinitely. So once again, the Colts, one of the reasons why uh, a lot of people like them going into the season was because of their offensive line. I think Quentin Nelson is a once-in-a-generational type talent of future Hall of Famer. This sucks for the Colts. And just when you think it couldn't get worse, it gets worse. Yeah, that that's some heartbreaking news. You just lost your one of your best tackles, and you lost your, your, your quarterback, your starting quarterback. If you're the Titans, bro, I mean, I won't get complicit here and, and just give my team the victory. Uh, of the AFC South right now. You still got to go out there and get it. But it's looking real good for the Titans fans right now because I definitely do think they're the favorites, especially with these new this news breaking today. I'm telling you, once again, I'm just going to say it once again. We don't have to get into it, but keep your eye out on those Jaguars to win the AFC South. I'm buying the stock in Trevor Lawrence. I think they're a very talented team. Just keep an eye out. That division is going to be terrible. I'm going to keep an just, eye out on, on possible vacation destinations that they will need in January because they ain't making no playoffs. It just sucks, man. I thought the Colts – and it just sucks all those injuries happening over there in Indianapolis. So, hopefully, you know, they could weather the storm. After a bunch of NFL talk, let's get into the NBA a little bit as free agency started up last night. And our second topic on the table is what is uh, – which move do you like more? Lonzo Ball signing with the Bulls or Kyle Lowry – signing with the Miami Heat. Will, I know you had a lot to say for this one. I'll throw it over to you to start this one off. First of all, I just want to say I like both moves. So I just want to get that out there. I like both moves. I thought that both teams addressed in holes and um, pretty much got better, you know? But I'm going to go with Lonzo Ball going to the Bulls right now because I like the fact that Lonzo Ball has a chance to grow. And I think that he wouldn't have been able to do that necessarily on the Pelicans, even though he did improve 
with his sin on the Pelicans. He got better with his three-point shooting. But this guy is a playmaker, good all the, on the ball defender. But he was being held back because they had Zion Williamson wanting the point from time to time. For most of the time, you know, during that season, they also had Eric Bledsoe that they was throwing to him. And he's washed up, bro. Come on. Like, literally. So now you go to the Bulls. The Bulls needed a point guard. I mean, Thomas Stanaransky wasn't it. Kobe Wright was supposed to be, you know, I always say Kobe Wright and um, Zach Levine was supposed to be the mini bootleg version of a CJ McCollum and Damon. I don't know what happened to Kobe Wright. He had a good year two years ago towards the end of that year. This year, I don't know, he came out flat. So they need another score. And Lonzo Ball gives you that. He gives you that playmaking ability that um these guys that are high usage players, which are Zach Levine and Vucevic, they can be able to have somebody that set them up. So now you have yourself a little mini big three going on. And who knows? Another free agent might look at that team in the future and be like, all right, there's some cornerstones here. And I can be a part of something big that I can grow from. I actually like the um, Miami adding Lowry to their team. I like it a lot. Uh, Lowry's a, is a 3 and D guy. He's a good playmaker. Um, he can score the basketball. He is a, a tad of a high-value shooter. He does take a lot of shots to make them. But this is how Miami's kind of DNA is. You know, they take, they take a lot of shots. They make them. And they play good defense. Alari's a pretty good defender at the one. You know, he does know how to defend really well. He does know how to charge um, fouls really well to get the opposing team's players out of the off the court faster. Um, he he knows the game of basketball. He knows the ins and outs, and he's a very intelligent player. And I think you mix that with them re-signing Duncan Robinson on a really big deal. Well, first of all, shout out to Duncan Robinson. He um has I think he his contract is the highest ever by an undrafted player. So shout out to him for real. He's, he's, you know, doing great things. And if he could continue to shoot at a high clip like he's done so far with them, it's going to be a very dangerous Miami Heat team coming into the season. On top of that, they add P.J. Tucker, a guy who just won a ring, a guy who was frustrating Kevin Durant throughout the whole series. You add him to Miami Heat, who has another, a, a lot of gritty players on that team as it is. It's going to be very difficult for any team, really, outside of Brooklyn. This is the regular season. It's going to be tough for any team to just go into Miami or – uh, vice versa, like playing against Miami and um, trying to try to get a, get a basket. They they play really tough defenses, especially PJ Tucker, Bam out of Bio, Jimmy Butler. That's a very gritty. Um, those three alone are very gritty defenders. Um, I like Gabe Vincent a lot. I feel like he has a lot of upside. He could score the basketball if he gets more minutes. Um, he's doing his thing in the, on the Olympics currently. Um, or was doing his thing in the, on the, in the Olympics. And um, Strauss. Uh, those are two young guys who have a lot to prove, and they could easily get some viable minutes just by getting inserted in the game and you forget about them on the court because of so much that Miami has going on. So um, there's a lot going on over there. And then they re-signed Denman. He's more of a gritty guy as well. He's a guy who he, he um, takes, he does a lot of tough fouls. He makes it very uncomfortable for people to be in the paint. So um, I like this Miami team a lot. I think they did some good additions to um, be some good contenders for the championship this year. Yeah, so one thing I agree with you guys both 100% is I really like both moves. Like, I, I you, can't, you can't go wrong picking either. I think Lonzo Ball, the fit uh, for the Bulls is perfect. You have now what is probably the tallest backcourt in the league with him and Levine, both UCLA alum. I'm sure they have a connection there. Plus uh, Vucevic, big trade there. And I think if you're the Bulls with Billy Donovan, like, you're – going in the right direction. Like you have a lot of young talent, you're, you're, you're building things. And I think they can make the playoffs hundred percent. But the reason why I'm going to have to go with Kyle Lowry is because I think this move really elevates Miami. I think that they're built perfectly to possibly stop Brooklyn and Milwaukee. The way that defense is set up, well, Kyle Lowry, I totally understand. He's not the same player uh, right now as he was at one point in his career, but he still could get buckets. He still is a lockdown defender. And I think Miami, 
We, a lot of people are going to forget that they went to the finals in the bubble because they got swept by the Bucks last year. That series wasn't really competitive, but I think it was clear that they were just fatigued and tired. And I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but every team that went far in the bubble uh, got knocked out early in the playoffs this year. And I think when you look at the Miami Heat, adding Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, I, the young gems, like I agree, Gabe Vincent is a player not a lot of people know about. And they kept Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Like, there's no reason why this Miami Heat team shouldn't be top four in the East next year and competing for a championship. I like. I want to say um, real quick, because Chicago did make some great moves. I feel like they did add um, with Alonzo Ball. They also yeah, added Alex Caruso, a pretty good defender, um, defender that works out on their team. Um, the only issue I would have, um, even though I did like Billy Donovan on OKC, Billy Donovan did did have players like um, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kevin Durant. Um, he had um, Shea Alexander. He had Chris Paul. He had players that are very bull dominant, you know. And um, I want to see how Billy Donovan works with um, – with Lonzo Ball, the young guns, you know, like I, I saw a lot of players that he had that were very bold diamond. They kind of their talent took them to where they needed to go in a sense, like with getting a basket or finding players. So I want to see how Billy Donovan operates with a lot of young guys like Ball, Caruso. Um, you got Vucevic at the five. You have like a lot of pieces to work with. I want to see how he maneuvers this offense in order to get, you know, get a good basket going and see if there's some continuity that happens in the offense. And I will, I will also say this too. Um, I like the move. Like I said, I like both moves. I think that the the Heat helped their championship aspirations. So if you told me like who was the which move was probably the more impactful, I would go with Miami, of course. But as far as you know, the question which which move do you like the most? I'm kind of like being you know a little biased here because this is a biased question, you know, because I I like Lonzo and Lonzo was one of those guys that I did call overrated prior to this year, but he showed me something improving his um shooting. You know, after shooting 31.5% from deep to moving it up to 43.7% from deep, I just want to see, like, guys guys like that continue to grow, continue to improve, and be in a situation because situations we all know always matter. And I think now that he's in a situation where he can shine a little bit more, that's good for Lonzo. We always hear about Levine being this good player that nobody really talks about in the higher media conglomerates because he plays in Chicago, they always losing. But this guy's been boiling his ass off. He was boy, he had a hell of a year last year, literally. Literally doing it on a consistent night-to-night basis. So now that you get more help, it allows both players to grow even more. And of course, you can't forget about the big fella over there that's gonna be running the five. So I just like that move. I like that fit just a little bit more from a more biased perspective. And that's why I'm going with that one. One thing I'll say about Zoe is that I think he came into the league with some lofty, lofty expectations that were always going to be uh, hard for him to live up to. And you, I still don't blame LeVar Ball, bro. Like, he made so much money. He turned big baller brand into a lifestyle. But at the same time, a, a small unintending consequence was that players came into the league like wanting to hunt Lonzo. They wanted to shut his dad up. And the shot, obviously, when he came into the league wasn't there. He came out of college more as a guy that had great size, great intangibles, had great feels for the game. And in Los Angeles, that what that didn't really work. Now, I thought the fit in New Orleans was really good. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But hey, I mean, I think the fit in Chicago is going to be really good too. You have a good ball distributing guard that's tall like Lonzo, a scorer in Levine, and a good big man in Vucevic surrounded with some shooting. I like it. I, I do. A couple things I also want to say that. I'm sorry. There's a sorry. point that he, he made about um, his father. And you know what's crazy, Zach? Like, I don't want to get too deep into that, but 
you know, I looked at it from that perspective, you know, this loud mouth dude, you know, but at the end of the day, this brother was only looking out for his kids and it's crazy how the meat, the, um, the players, you know, took that as a focus. You know, this is a guy that's actually looking out for his sons, trying to make sure they go to the best schools, they're in the best situations. So that bothered me a little bit, you know, and it, 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 it did create a target on Lonzo back. I do agree with that, but it shouldn't have. But, you know, you, you always got to be thankful that you got guys that's out there, you know, being there for their sons, you know. But at the same time, when you look at the Pelicans, I don't know. I mean, the coaching, you know, they went with Stan Van Gundy last year. You know, it, it's a good move for Lonzo to get out of there, you know, to get out of there. Who knows if Zion's going to stay long-term the way how they lost the trade deadline. They really did. I I really didn't feel like the Pelicans did anything worth substance um, other than um, Graham. And, and I don't even think that's a difference maker right there. He's a decent player, but that's not a difference maker. I thought they lost the trade deadline. And um, if you're Lonzo, you just left the team that lost the trade deadline to a better team that possibly could be in the top three or four of who won the trade deadline. So that's good for Lonzo. Quick thing. I would agree with several points. One, LeVar Ball, of course, a great father, man. He got um, all three of his sons in positions to be and potentially be in the NBA. You know, LeAngelo might be in um, the Hornets roster. So hopefully, folks, shout out to that. I'll pay more closely to him during the summer league and watch him play. Two, Lonzo Ball had a terrible coach in Luke Warren. I just don't like the guy. I feel like he's a terrible coach. I feel like he kind of like got like kind of like got father babied into the, to the league in a sense because of who his dad was and him being a coach. I just never made sense to me. But also, Lonzo Ball will be finally playing again um, under a great coach, a guy who succeeded in college, came into the NBA, and also has a great um, NBA record as well. And hopefully, um, Billy Donovan he can make it, get the best out of him because he is a run and gun style coach. Let's see if Lonzo could get some more running st- um, fast breaks into Chicago. Um, I think that's a big like takeaway for Lonzo Ball's development because now each coach he's been under it's only gotten better and better. I would say Stan Van Gundy's a better coach than Luke Walton, but I do believe Billy Donovan is a better coach than Stan Van Gundy, despite Stan Van Gundy going to uh, NBA Finals. Well, they did bring in a new coach, Willie Green, so we'll see how that uh, works out. Oh. Stan Van Gundy was so bad he got fired after one year. Yeah. Yeah, they should never even make that route in the first I mean, place. the Pelicans wanted to – Pelicans want – I mean, that's, I think that's what the Pelicans wanted to do. They wanted Ben Ingram to run the one. So you can't have a guy like Lonzo Ball, who's a good playmaker, being with Ingram because Ingram's trying to – he's trying to be the, the ball-dominant the ball dominant facilitator, and they're trying to do that, ten, that dynamic duo with Zion. So let's see how that works for the Pelicans. But I think Chicago is primed for a great season this year. I would say they could possibly be like 17. One thing I will say about the Eastern Conference, like, I think as time goes on, it's really turning into a much improved league. Like, we obviously have our teams at the top, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, I'd even throw Miami in there, maybe Philly, but Atlanta, the Knicks, the Bulls now, obviously, we're high on the Hornets on this show. I do think that... Let's see if the Hulk resign John Collins, because uh, he's still out there, and apparently, they're not close to a contract, so let's see how that yeah, works out. But, but they got Ice Trey locked up, so can't forget about that. <laughs> true, 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 true. Trey Young Garden. moving on to the next segment and we will stay in the nba um and our biggest takeaway from nba free agency and boys i'm actually going to start this one off and it's funny because we kind of got into it a little bit premature at least for my thought and there was a reason why i didn't go full uh, on depth and detail into the conversation but i think it is inevitable that zion williamson and the pelicans that marriage isn't going to be lasting much longer because I have no idea what the New Orleans Pelicans and David Griffin are doing in free agency. And really, before that, ever since the bubble last year, 
It all started when they hired Stan Van Gundy. We all agreed that wasn't that good of a hire. And then really since then, they've made a bunch of moves that haven't really made sense to me. If you're the Pelicans, why are you letting Lonzo Ball go? He improved last year. He had the best season of his career. The three-point numbers got better. And you have a guy in Zion. You have a, a rim-running athletic guy that is going to be a star in the league. I like Brandon Ingram's game a lot. He's a scorer. He gets buckets. And you are you had a ball distributor in your lap. And in terms of the Anthony Davis trade, like I liked that trade for them at the time. I said they're getting a bunch of really good young assets back. And you just let Bonzo Ball walk for nothing? And I like Devontae Graham. I think he's a solid player, but I think he's better off the ball. And he was one of the worst shooters in the NBA last year. Like, that's just what the stats say. And combine that with David Griffin and his past as an executive. I know he was a TV guy at ESPN. That's probably why no one in the media is really coming after the Pelicans in their offseason right now. Not even to mention the Valanciunas trade from last week. No one really liked that. I don't understand how you're playing him next to Zion when the lane is going to be all the way clogged. You don't have a real ball distributor. Once again, they must really love Kyra Lewis and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But I will say that is not enough to get Zion to stay, I don't think. And I just think it is becoming inevitable that maybe... Just one day, Zion Williamson will be playing at Madison Square Garden for the New Yorkers. <laughs> you know, I hope so, Zach. You know, you don't want to get my hopes up, man. I had my friends <laughs> yesterday in the chat, you know, making false reports to get me upset. Oh, the Knicks got this guy. There's, you know, the superstar right here. I'm like, really? Y'all really going to do this to me? We the laughing stock right now. But um, my biggest takeaway, I will say, my biggest takeaway from NBA free agency is that Cameron Payne and Bobby Portis is the ultimate team players. They took massive discounts to return back to their championship um, franchises to run it back. When you think about Cameron Payne, this guy could have commanded more money. He could have went somewhere else. You know, there was Knicks rumors. He could have probably went somewhere and got more money than he got returning to the Suns. This guy's a very explosive guy to the rack. One of the best um, point guards, backup point guards in the league. Very explosive, uh, 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 speed penetrator. He gets to the rack, and he improved on his shot from the three-point line. He only took in, I believe, a three-year, $19 million deal. You know, and um, you talk about Bobby Portis. He took in a two-year, $9 million deal. This is a guy that turned down Knicks money before he went to the Bucks to win a championship. So it's clear that it's really not about the money to these guys. It's about winning a championship. And if you think about... Um, let's start off with Bobby Portis. If he commanded more money from the Bucks, they would have had to use their mid-level ex um, player exception to sign him. The Suns, we all know, is a luxury tax team. They just gave CP3 that whopping contract that they gave him, which could probably affect them in the future. We can get into that if we want or another time. But um, these are guys that knew their respective franchises or in situations with dealing with the cap. And so they said, you know what? Instead of me going and commanding more money, I'm going to run it back. Um, Cameron Payne was on Twitter. He he spoke his piece on Twitter. Like y'all, what y'all thought? Bobby Portis, run it back on Instagram. These are guys that want to win and contribute to their team and run it back. So that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I think um the Suns actually did a pretty good job in the um in the free agency day one. You know, you got back your guy Chris Paul, you got back Cameron Payne who produced really well, and then you also bring in a guy like JaVel McGee who yeah. which you missed. You needed a big guy in that in that kind of that series, backup, and you yeah. got JaVel McGee who's going in for blocks out. and stuff. It, it works out. Yeah, it works out exactly what they needed. This, I think, this team. If this team was last year with Javale McGee, you would have saw a difference in that in that finals because Miguel how he protects the rim. But I actually want to pinpoint Cleveland's uh, free agency signing of Jared, Jared Allen, twenty million a year. 
you know, I don't know what this organization is really doing. I don't, I don't understand like what exactly direction they're trying to go in. You know, you got Sexton, you got Garland. You know, two big time. You know, not, I'm, I'm two very talented young guards who could develop into big time players under the right leadership. You know, and then you give Jared Allen twenty million a year, and they're no, not known for really keeping their bigs that long, and also kind of messing up their careers. You know, you got a guy. Yeah, you paying... they mentioned, bro, they drafted Evan Mobley. <laughs> I think, I think that, that, that should be mentioned too. You know, big. That's actually a big point that I actually totally just missed over. They signed Evan Mobley, a guy who people would say could have been the best player in the draft potentially from a talent perspective. You why are you signing Jared Allen for twenty million unless you're sending him somewhere? for a, a contract identical or something i don't really get the jared allen signing i me personally i know that um before this all season even started i wanted jared allen to the knicks i felt like he was a, a good center he's very young he's been in the league i think already five six seasons and he's only 23 years old he's still very young and still has a lot to develop and if he gets an offensive game his like his um position as a big man moves so much more rankings i feel like he, he could possibly be one of the better big men in the league um it's it's just that twenty million a year. I don't understand. You got Evan Mobley, so what are you trying to put him at the four and five? I don't really understand what Cleveland is doing. It's making me question David Griffin a lot. <laughs> like I don't know ex exactly. What he, I mean, not David Griffin because he's a part of Fort Pelican, but you know, I don't understand how what Cleveland is really doing. And um, so that was like one of my biggest takeaways. Like the, the Jared Allen. Like why? They had like four power forwards at one point. Larry Nance and um Kevin Love. I'm. I don't know what's going on over there. I agree with you 100%. I agree with both of y'all takes. Like, Larry Nance at one point was playing the two. Why? <laughs> like, I just, that, that's how crazy dysfunctional this Cleveland Cavaliers team is, man. I just don't get it. Yeah, and I think one thing we can agree on is, like, those four guys from, like, a talent perspective, right? Um, Sexton, Garland, Mobley, Allen. Like, those are four really good players. But, like, there comes a point where you have to, like, put your team together the right way and maybe they envision Evan Mobley more as like a three man I don't really know I think he's a big man with guard skills but putting two six eleven guys that much value into them it's a risky strategy no doubt absolutely great on to the last and final segment of today's show it was announced over the weekend back in the NFL that Bill Belichick has announced that Cam Newton will be the New England Patriots week one starter and boys when you see this news it's official cam is going to be under center uh week one for new england what comes to mind for you guys say uh i just don't want to I, I i just hope that we could see a healthy cam Newton and a guy who we saw when he used to be healthy who's that dynamic player a guy who could run the ball a guy who because some like you know he threw the ball accurate sometimes when he was healthy you know i, we, I just want to see a guy who's ready to play you know i feel like uh last year there's a, it was a lot of the pandemic messed up a lot of teams and the New England Patriots. You know, they I think they had a lot of opt outs and it was a lot of stuff going on with the, that Patriots team. Now you bring in a lot of players, a lot of free agents. You got it, like we always talk about, Bill Belichick paid arguably the most he ever paid in his career for free agents. So let's see if um you know Cam Newton could do it now with a more revamped New England Patriots. Not right now is no excuses. He, he has to produce, you know. And I think it goes back to the beginning. We know what Lil was talking about patience. You know, you're just prepping Mac Jones at this point, prepping him for an offense that he one day will take over and one day will have to push, be the franchise quarterback. That's like what Mac Jones is prepping for. And right now, Cam Newton being a starter, he's going to have to, you know, show that he's still got it. He's going to have to show that he's, he's ready to take the team to the playoffs, ready to take him to a deep playoff run and potentially Super Bowl. I, um, I would oh. say this. I'm, I'm not really surprised that Cam Newton is going to start. I mean, when we had our debates before in the past, I did say 
ultimately that I think Cam Newton was going to start. I thought Mac Jones had a better shot. And actually, Bill Belichick really didn't commit to Cam. He did say he was a starting quarterback. But he also kind of, what he said after that, kind of like, you know, made you think that it's still up in the air. But I think Cam Newton is a starting quarterback week one, no doubt. But um, look, it's up to Cam Newton. The ball is in his court. Last year, the cause that he was dealt wasn't really good. I mean, Jacoby Myers was his best wide receiver. You're not going to win games with Jacoby Myers being your best wide receiver. I don't care who the quarterback is. Unless your name is, hello, the GOAT, Tom Brady right there. Other than that, I don't even think Tom Brady. I mean, he couldn't. He played with Jacoby Myers. So technically, I take that back. He couldn't. So Cam Newton, listen, your, court, your, your coach went out, spent money on free agency. The talent, the weaponry is all around for you to be successful. I think that the Patriots are a playoff team no matter who's the quarterback. I actually like Mac Jones running that style of offense more than I do Cam Newton. And that's my thing because I think it fits better, you know, with all the tight ends and all the wide receivers that you have. I think it's good for a pro-style quarterback more than a runner quarterback. But, you know, Cam Newton, we're just going to have to see this year if he still has something left substantial enough for him to get his team to the playoffs. So I'm just a little, I don't want to say confused, but I just have a couple things that come to mind. So it's obviously a huge season for the New England Patriots, right? They, after the season Tom Brady and the Bucks had, like Bill Belichick could, you know, not say anything all he wants. We know how badly he wants to win this year. And I don't know about you guys, but last year, it was kind of clear to me that Cam Newton didn't look like an NFL starting quarterback. And I want to preface this by saying, I think the Patriots are a playoff team this year. I think their team got better. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with their schedule. Like, if you look at their schedule, they have one of the five easiest schedules in the league. And I just don't know how Bill Belichick could have watched Cam Newton last year, and even Mac Jones for that matter. Like, it's fine that he drafted a quarterback, but like, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be able to lead the Patriots to the promised land anytime soon, considering what he has around him. And I'm starting to get a little bit of Greg Popovich vibes from Bill Belichick. I'm not saying that he's done. I'm not saying he doesn't know anything that's going on. I still think the Patriots are going to have a fine season, but I just think the Patriots should have prioritized getting a better quarterback in here to be under center week one, opposed to Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I still don't know why they didn't draft Justin Fields, to be honest. I think he would have been a perfect fit there. I mean, Zach, that goes for a whole lot of teams with Justin Fields. Denver could have went that route. A whole lot of teams could have went to Justin Fields. I I actually think he's probably going to be the best quarterback out this class, including Trevor Lawrence, to be honest with you. Yeah, I said it. I really do. I just think I'm so high on Justin Fields. I think he was totally out widely disrespected. So, yeah, the Patriots missed out, but a whole lot of teams is in that category. Um, Mac Jones, I thought, was a better fit for that system. I don't. You already know I'm not high on Mac Jones anyway. So, look, Cam Newton, like I said before, and I kind of feel like a, a, a scratched up disc record right now, repeating myself. But, I mean, it's self-explanatory. Last year, number one from the eye test, he didn't look that great. He didn't look like he, he missed a step. Anybody with eyes saw that. Stevie Wonder called me on the phone and told me that he saw Cam Newton. All right. And he ain't looked that great. All right. And but at the same time, the weaponry, nobody would have. Uh, Tom Brady didn't look good with that weaponry. And yeah, he's older. We all know the age. But look what he's doing right now in Tampa with the weapons he has. So Bill Belichick put a good team. Like it's not eye-popping, but it's a, with the two tight ends that they got in the Nelson Aguilar's poised for a big year. He had a big year last year with Oakland, and from what I'm hearing in camp, he's probably going to have another good year as well. You know, so I think that Cam Newton, let's see. This is a let's see year 
for the Patriots when it comes to Cam Newton. Let's see. Give him an opportunity. Let's see if he gets better in a year or two of one of the hardest systems to learn as a quarterback, as any offensive player. You will always know that a Josh McDaniel system is the hardest to learn, especially when you have COVID and everything that came along with that. So I'm not disputing the fact that he didn't look good. I didn't think he looked good, but I didn't think that he was, you know, he had an opportunity to really showcase what he can do. So this year is a proven year for Cam Newton. He did have the lowest um, in his career, you know, passing attempts, passing completions and passing touchdowns. You know, I don't think he's going to repeat that. He's a competitor. He wants to go out there and win games. And it's gonna, he's going to have to do more than just his feet, man. He has to hopefully we see a better, more focused passing uh, Cam Newton because I don't want to see him keep running the ball all day. And, uh, you know, it's just at this point, you got to get to the point like, all right, I got to see your arm because you do have a strong arm, but you're not showing it. You're not utilizing it. I need you to throw the ball more. And I hope hopefully it's, it's, it's the season. It's scary because, you know, Zach probably is right, you know, and I know I'm kind of like defending Cam a bit, but he never really had a, a strong, like gifted arm. He wasn't known for the passes ever in his career. He was known for what he could do with his legs. And now that's taken away. Yeah. So right. we got to see. Here's my thing. I'm not going to deny the Patriots got better. And like, once again, I do think they're going to be a playoff team, but like, I just don't think the Patriots' goal should be a playoff team. Like, their goal should be to win the Super Bowl. And I don't – even to win the AFC East, like, I don't see any shot they win the AFC East with Cam Newton or Mac Jones as their starting quarterback. Like, I just don't see any shot that happens. And when that's your ceiling going into the season, like, I, I have a tough time believing that you made the right move. I think they should have gotten better at quarterback. I think they have a shot to win the AFC East. I don't, I'm not going to say I'm going as far as picking them. But I think they have a shot because I think that – Josh Allen is poised for uh, a minor. But I mean step back. People are going to be like, oh, how could you say that? The brother had an MVP year last year, bro. So when I say minor step back, I mean still good quarterback, but a minor step back here. I think the Dolphins got better. I think that that division is going to be tough, but it's going to be so, like, cannibalized because everybody going to be eating up on each other that the Patriots could obviously come on top with the fifth best, one of the top five easiest schedules there is. So, yeah. I think, they yeah, I, I think the AFC East is going to be one of the more fascinating divisions in football. You guys know I'm very high on Miami. I think Tua is getting uh, better and better each day. I agree with you on Josh Allen. I do think he had such a good season last year. Um, he is in store for some regression. I just look at this Patriots roster, and even with the moves they made, like I just don't know how good they are. Like You paid mad money for Hunter Henry. like Good player. Nelson Aguilar, good player. Especially what you had last year, but is that good enough to beat the Bills? Is that enough to beat their defenses and, and and that's the thing you know the defense is good the team is good enough all around where if cam newton is not 100 percent or close if he's 75 percent, then they can still win a lot of games that's how they set up you know the opt-outs the guys that they got back calvin Noah is a very underrated pickup because of his familiarity with that system and what he can do on the defensive side of the ball i still think the patriots are a good team and they only need cam newton to be you know uh half of what he was in his mvp year that's all they're asking for, and hopefully he gives it to them. I mean, the other thing about Cam is last year, the first two games of the season, we remember he looked really good. Then he gets COVID and just didn't really look the same. He spoke a lot about that. So we'll see if him hopefully being 100% healthy uh, physically and mentally is good for him. But it's just going to be interesting because when it comes to Justin Fields, like I agree. I think if I'm the Bears, I'm starting him right away. I think he's going to be a really good player in this league, no matter what quarterback rank in this class he's like he's gonna be a really good quarterback and um i just when i look at new england right now their offense is just kind of stale like there isn't like i understand it's better 
but there still is, I don't think it's that big of an improvement considering the amount of money they spent. And when you look at Bill Belichick's history as a GM, I gotta be honest, like kind of hard for me to trust him. And he must really think that they could win with Cam Newton as a starting quarterback. And based on what I saw last year, I don't know if I could believe that. Like, It's crazy because we saying all this bad stuff about the Patriots and they actually went seven and nine last year. That was the, that was their bad year. A seven and nine year was their worst year. So seven and eight actually, because uh, I think, I think they missed the game because of something. It was like a postponed game and I never got made up. Something like that. So I think it's seven and eight that they record okay, was. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they almost 500. There was a lot of close games in that season that they could have won. Seattle game close. The Bills game on the road close. Those are, you flip it around, they over 500. So let's see what they can do this year. I, right. I just think, I'm just curious. Can they win a Super Bowl with this team? And can they even win the AFC East with this team? I don't know. It, it's very unlikely. Sure. We will be moving on to our final thoughts of today's show. And this is an interesting one as we stay in the AFC East. As there have been not some serious reports, but the Buffalo Bills have been having some stadium issues and Austin, Texas has been the rumored destination. I'm going to start this one off short and sweet. Like, this isn't happening. The Bills aren't moving to Austin. Texas already has two football teams, Jerry Jones and Kyle McNair as proud owners in Dallas and Houston. They wouldn't let this happen. And Bills Mafia, they just love the Bills too much. I, I just can't see this happening. But at the same time, I don't give I give the Bills owners, like, I don't give them any slack. Like, if I was worth billions and you see, like, that town of Buffalo, how hungry they are for football... I would try to get every dollar out of those taxpayers' pockets to see if you can at least try to build a new stadium without having to take that much out of your pocket. Just a successful uh, business operation, if you ask me. I was just saying, I was interested with the Austin Bills um, like po- possibility because it's it's a uh, actually a very glamorous destination for the Bills. They go from the freezing cold to like see some sunshine and some heat. You know, that would be interesting for the Bills to be in instead of the intensifying cold in Buffalo because, you know, home games in Buffalo, even even like in the playoffs situation, it's freezing over there. It ain't, it ain't no rainbows and sunshine to play in Buffalo. It's like dang near Lambeau Field. So it's going to be tough. To play in those kind of environments, but you go to Austin, um, Texas. It's it's a it's a glamorous for not only just like um people that players that might want to play in like a more heat heated environment, also like promotions wise. Austin's a pretty marketable place, especially for a team a uh, place that's looking for a team. You go to Austin, they'll have three Texas teams, and now that that state gets a lot more money, and also the team gets a lot more money because more players might want to actually go to Austin opposed to Buffalo. It's crazy because y'all know I'm a Tom Brady fan and I know a lot of people in Buffalo that don't like Tom Brady. I heard a story about a girl. I don't know if y'all heard the story, but a woman died and she had in a well something against Tom Brady. I mean, that crazy. Like, your well is something having something to do with Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. But um, there's a special place that I have in my heart for Bills fans, you know, even being a Tom Brady fan because my first ever and only football game I've been to was in Buffalo when I went to SUNY Cortland and they had these tickets, you know, at the sports management program when I was a sports management major before I flipped to another major. Um, we went over there. We went over to Buffalo and we got to see the Bills versus Patriots. And I'll never forget my experience there. Um, you know, being on the bus, seeing the tailgating miles before we even got to the stadium and just how the Bill fans were waving at the bus that I was on, almost like I was coming to the stadium to play the daggone game myself. The love that they showed me, the love that they have for their team is unlike any experience that I will ever forget. So I want Buffalo to stay Buffalo. I want the Bills to stay where they at because they have the best fans in football. No question about it, in my honest opinion. 
I know a couple yeah. people that's yeah. from Buffalo as well. The big fans, they they they, they go for the Bills, try to die no matter what. Yeah, as all of us, we went to all all of us went to SUNY schools. All uh, know what it's like to be around upstate New York uh, with Bills fans. Like there are a lot of them, and it's almost like a college football game when you pull up to that stadium. One of the only few uh, atmospheres in the NFL that makes you feel that way. But boys, another successful episode of In the Huddle in the books. I want to say thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening to In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. <laughs>